Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. So Father, we come before you today. We thank you for your word that is everlasting and never changing. God, I thank you, Lord, that you will speak to us in a fresh way today, God. May we leave here changed and help that preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So last week we, uh, we talked, we had a message on um, discerning, rightfully discerning the word of truth. I spoke about the Old Testament, the New Testament. I talked about how in the Old Testament was uh, made up of several different covenants or testaments. The major ones were, were, were the Abrahamic uh, covenant, the Mosaic covenant. And then at the end of Malachi, we move into the New Testament, okay? And so... Uh, there's, there was three different, three different laws in the Old Testament. The moral law, which is the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie, steal, cheat, commit adultery. And there's ten of them. Those moral laws are consistent. They never change. Say they never change. Okay? Um, the moral law is still, uh, God expects us to live morally in the New Testament. Okay? Now, the ceremonial laws are obsolete. The ceremonial laws were all the things that were required of the people and how to dress and what to mix you know, mix with seed and how the priest should, you know, approach God. And there was all of these ceremonial laws, and they're obsolete. Say obsolete. Okay? And then there was the third system of laws, which were the judicial laws. And the judicial laws are obsolete as well. God changed them. We, we read in the New Testament that Jesus said, you heard it said, that an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Someone knocks you in the mouth, you can knock him back, right? But Jesus said, now I say unto you, turn the other cheek. In other words, show mercy instead of judgment, right? And so Jesus changed the judicial law. He didn't, the, 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 the people came and they said to Jesus, the Pharisees, the law of Moses says if you catch someone in the act of an adultery, they have to be stoned. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, go and sin no more. And he showed mercy, right? So he changed the judicial law and say, thank God I don't live under the Old Testament. So I really want to encourage you, if you didn't hear that message, if you can, uh, it's going to be online this week. I want you to go and check it out. We're, going to, we're actually going to start doing podcasts instead of videos because it's easier to carry your phone with you and listen to podcasts. So I want to encourage you to listen to that message because I think it was really good. Okay, Not because I preached it, but just feedback I got. Okay, So anyway, uh, <laughs> I want to start today in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Okay, I want you to, let's read it together. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. Okay, And so we need to understand that the purpose of the word of God is to teach and correct. Right? The purpose of the word of God is to teach and correct. But it's also, uh, it's also there to equip his people to do every good work. Okay? Now, we need to understand this, okay, that we're saved by grace. We're not saved according to our works, that any man may boast, right? So say, there's no boasting allowed. I'm saved by grace. But it's important to understand this, is that when we've been saved, that God is equipping his people to do good works. How many know that we need to do good works? God has called us to good works, okay? And so every good work that God has prepared for us involves connecting in relationships. God wants us to connect in 
relationship. And that's what we talked about last week, how the law is good if used lawfully. If we use the law to draw ourselves closer to one another instead, to con- instead of condemning one another, we're using it lawfully. Does that make sense? Okay. And so he, he has given us first ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. So we're to go to people and say, hey, you need to be reconciled to God. God's no longer holding your sins against you. He wants you to come into a relationship with him. So how many can see that one of these works that God is calling us to is to draw people into relationship with him? The second thing he wants us to do is he wants us to love one another. He wants us to edify and build each other up, okay, in the Lord with love. Now, how many would agree with me? This is all through the New Testament. God wants us to have unity. God wants us to be in relationship. God wants us to, to, to deal with our toxic relationships. How many know toxic relationships can make you sick? You know? But God wants us to have healthy relationships, okay? And I, the devil, okay, and, and when we talk about the devil, we say, well, the devil's after you, okay? The devil's only in one spot. He's a fallen angelic being, but he has a, a whole army of fallen angels that fell with him. So the devil probably never, ever personally tempted you. He's got one of his little minions out working against you. How many know what I'm saying? Okay? So when I say the devil, I'm talking about that fallen kingdom of fallen angels. Does that make sense? And so I want you to see here, the devil, from the very beginning, uh, has been busy causing separation in relationships, even since the Garden of Eden. Because the Bible says that, that Adam walked in the cool of the day. He walked with God. He was in relationship with God. And Satan came and he brought division between him and God. Right? And so now that you're a Christian, you belong to God. The Bible says he can't separate you. He cannot separate you from God because you're secure in the Lord. Right? But, but he'll want to bring separation in your relationships. And the Bible says if he can bring separation in your relationships then he, he, he can actually separate you from the hand of God in your life. The Bible says that if you have something against your brother, before you bring the gift to the altar, go and make it right. The Bible says confess your sins one to another that she might be healed. There's people that are going for prayer for healing that have bitterness in their heart and have issues against people. And if they would just go make those issues right, their prayers would be heard. How many know in a covenant it's two ways? God does this and we do this. How many would like to be in a relationship where your spouse did everything you told her to do or him to do and you just got off scot-free? What kind of relationship would that be, right? And so we need to be in relationship with God in obedience to his word, right? The Bible says that husbands are to dwell with their wives with understanding and so that our prayers would not be hindered. So our prayers are hindered when our relationship with one another, when we allow the enemy to come in between, of our, in between our relationships, okay? And so the devil wants to bring separation from God, okay? Say, I'm, I've already dealt with that. How many here are saved? How many have your, your, you know, God's taken you out of the kingdom of darkness and he's put you in the kingdom of his dear son. So don't let a spirit of condemnation come and say, you're not a son or you're not a daughter because you are. But he wants to bring separation from God. He wants to bring separation from one another. And he wants to bring separation from your self-identity. And here's the thing. God created you with a purpose. God has a plan for you. God has a destiny for you. The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, or entered into the minds of men. The things that God has planned for those that love him. You couldn't imagine how much God wants to bless you. You can't imagine what God wants to do for you because you love him. How many hear what I'm saying? All right? And so the enemy wants to come and bring separation. Say separation. And how does he do this? He does it through thought. And that's why the Bible says... Paul says you need to take 
every thought captive. You have to analyze it. You have to examine. Is this thought from God? Is this thought something I'm generating myself? Or is this thought from the kingdom of darkness? And we have to become good at this. We need to begin to take inventory of the thoughts that we receive in our minds. Because if we don't, we're going to be in trouble. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 4 to 5. You guys okay? And the serpent said unto the woman, you will not surely die. Now we understand what happened here is he's coming to tell Adam and Eve that they can eat of the fruit. God said that was the... That was the only commandment he gave them. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For God knows that in the day you eat of the fruit, then your eyes shall be opened, okay? And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Actually, going back to the original Hebrew text, and the King James Bible, which is the authorized version, by the way, is the only one that gets this passage correct. Because every other translation, the translator said there must have been a mistake, and they changed it, and they said... And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The actual translation, and I can't bring it up because we don't have the King James yet on this computer, but we're going to put it on there. It says, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes shall be opened, and you will be as gods, with a small g, small o-d-s, gods. That word translated in the Hebrew is fallen angels. So the day that your eyes will be opened, you will be like us, you will know good and evil. God is good. God does not know evil. God only observes it. The Bible says iniquity, sin was found in Lucifer and it's a mystery. But God does not know evil. He doesn't intimately know evil. He is good. He's holy. There's no shadow of turning in him. So you can see how just one word saying that you will be like a fallen angel is a lot different than saying you'll be like God knowing good and evil. Because God, my God, is a good God. There's no shadow of turning in him. There's no evil. My God knows no evil. That's why he has to judge it. Is that making sense? That's why when I study, I always go back to the King James. And if I knew Hebrew and Greek, I'd go back to the Hebrew and Greek. Because how many know sometimes things twist a bit, and one word will change everything. And so here we go. Gods are fallen angels. They're disembodied spirits. And so Adam and Eve listened to the serpent. What did they do? They ate the fruit. Now look what happened in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9 to 11. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Now, when, when God is coming, how many know God knew where Adam was? What God was saying is, hey, you're separated from me. For the first time, God, God's like, where are you, Adam? Adam has been separated. See what the enemy does? He comes to bring separation. Where are you, Adam? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. So this is the first time that humankind, I mean, it was only him and his wife, the first time fear it. I was afraid of you, God, so I hid myself because I was naked. Now look at verse 11, because this is key. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? So what happened was the first time a demonic spirit was able to come, a spirit of fear came in, a spirit of shame came in, and a demonic spirit spoke to him in thought form and said, you're naked, hide yourself. And he was like, oh, I am, I'm naked. And he hid himself. Because suddenly his thoughts were not only coming from the king, they're coming from a fallen kingdom. Let's move on. The good news is that Jesus has delivered us. Say, God, Jesus has delivered us out of, out, of the, out of darkness and into his glorious light. So we don't, have to, we don't have to listen to the enemy. We don't have to allow fear to control us. We don't have to allow shame to come in. We can speak to that. Say, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to take that thought. I'm going to recognize that's not my thought. I'm going to throw it to the ground. All right? And so say this with me. Say, I'm no longer separated. From my, God. from my Father God. 
We need to know that because if we, do, if we, if we think that you know, we're, we're, the enemy still got us, we're in trouble. We have to realize who we are in Christ. Now here, we're going to move back now 2,000 years and look at the early church. Can we do that together? All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, and how we know this is right after the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. Look, look what it says. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayer. Okay? I want to look at the word steadfast. You know what the word steadfast means? It means to, to, um, to consistently be diligent, to attend assiduously to all the exercises. Okay? There's, there has to be an earnest, uh, diligent, uh, steadfast approach in the Word of God. We need to study. How, how many know we need to study the Word of God? And so they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. The second word I want to look at is the word fellowship. That word fellowship means, it's the word quanania, and it actually means partnership. That is to have participation. It speaks of, and I want you to remember this word, communication. Say communication. Quanania, it speaks of this fellowship that's like a brotherly love where I come to Peter and I communicate what's on my heart and he communicates what's on his heart and we have fellowship one with another as a brother to a brother. And this is what all doctrine is supposed to do. If doctrine is healthy, it will produce, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring connection between God and man and it's going to bring connection between the body of Christ. And so they gave themselves over to, to this, this, this teaching of the word that brought them into fellowship. And then there was the breaking of bread, which spoke of communion. And then number four, there was prayer. Now here, I, I wish I could put the points up here. I don't have it on the PowerPoint. But here's the thing. Say number one is being, being, I need to be given to teaching. Just say it together. I need to be given to teaching. Number two, I need to be in fellowship. Number three, I need to have communion with the body of Christ. And number four, I need to pray. And th these are the four ingredients for a move of God. And that's why it's frustrating because sometimes a church will pray for 20 years. They'll come in and they're praying and they're fasting and their teeth are falling out. And they've been fasting for 10 years and, you know, they're, they're praying and they're getting in, they're worshiping and they're praying and they're praying. But then there's disunity and division in the body of Christ. And there's bitterness and there's, there's, uh, there's anger and there's unforgiveness. Uh, to, uh, you can pray till you're blue in the face. You're not going to have revival till you have fellowship. Amen. It's part of the package. That's one of the reasons why we thought it was so important midweek to have people meet in small groups so that you can build some quantania. You can build some relationship, one with another. Okay? Now, I want to look at the fruit, the fruit of these four things, okay? Let's see what happened. When they got the teaching right, when they got the fellowship right, when they got the communion right, and when they got the prayer right, let's look what happened. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Is it okay if we just go line upon line? Are you guys okay with that? Because we need, we need to study the word line upon line. They worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and sharing their meals with great joy, say great joy, and generosity. You guys see the unity here? Next verse. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and look, here's the key, and each day, okay, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What God will do 
When we get these four things in line, God will add fellowship. He's going to bring people into your fellowship. Why? Because he wants them to experience quantidia. And so, yeah, prayer is very, very important. Fasting is important. But if you're, if, you're not, if you're not taking the word and learning to apply it in your life so that you can love your brother, if you have an issue with somebody, you don't go and deal with it, you can pray. You can pray and pray and pray. It's a waste of time. Because God is saying you need to protect your relationships. You've got to talk with one another. You need to communicate. Say communicate. And it might be hard because maybe as children we never learned, we were never taught how to communicate and how to share our feelings. But if we don't do it, we open the door for the enemy to come in and whisper things in our ears that are going to cause us to move into bitterness. Can I prove that in the word? You guys okay with that? Okay, let's, go, let's go to James chapter 1 verse 27. This is how important religion is. Okay, Is that pure and genuine religion in the sight of God and the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. And so many times as Christians, we're like, okay, if I'm going to mature, i got to get holy. i got to deal with the spots in my life, right? i got to deal with this issue and maybe this addiction and this attitude, right? How many hear what I'm saying? But it's, it's more than that. It's, it's actually caring for orphans, and I'll say even spiritual orphans, people who... Orphans don't have a mother and father. And I think what God sees as pure religion is someone who comes and says, you know what, I'm going I'm to I'm be with you through this trial. I'm going to help you to learn to walk uh, as a Christian. Because, you know, I was once where you're at. I'm going I'm to walk with you. I'm going to meet for coffee with you. I'm going to help you. I know you're really struggling. I'm not here to judge you because I know you want to change. I'm here to help you. I want to father you. I want to mother you. Do you, you see that? A widow is someone who lost her husband. A husband represents in Scripture and New Testament represents a covering. We're to cover one another. We're to cover those who are in distress. We're to, you know, someone's going through a tough time. You come and you protect them. Some other church that maybe doesn't belong or doesn't believe, they just, just the exact same way that we believe, have a little bit of a different slant on Scripture. And you hear someone talk bad about them and you join forces. You have just entered into communion with the kingdom of darkness. Instead of saying, you know what, I agree, I don't agree with their teaching, but that's our brother in the Lord. And you know what, let's not talk bad. And if you have an issue with what they believe, why don't we go together and talk to that person? Giving no place to the enemy. For some people, there might be a relationship thing um, because there's ultimately, they're searching for something that they're missing in their own life. And and I understand that, you know. In the Bible, the the Hebrews believed that there was this thing where the fathers would, would, and the mothers, specifically the fathers, would lay hands on their children. They, were, they would just release a blessing over their children. It's part of the Jewish heritage. And it was so coveted by the children. I want my father's blessing. And it was so coveted, so important. We see in Genesis chapter 27, verse 35, but Isaac said, your brother was here. And you guys know the story where Jacob and his, his, Jacob and his mother conspired to bring Jacob in and to steal the blessing from Isaac. You guys know the story, so I'm not going to get into it. So Isaac missed that. He was deceived. And Isaac said, your brother was here, and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. And look what the next verse says in 2738. Esau pleaded, but you had... But do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too. And Esau broke down and he wept because he wanted the blessing of his father. You know, we need that. That's built into us. We want to be blessed. We want to be released. And maybe you never had an earthly father, an earthly mother who blessed you and said, you can do it. You're awesome. I believe in you. But I'm here to say, even if that was your past, God is here today and he's saying, I believe in you. He's going to be our spiritual father who's going to speak blessing over us so that we can break that in our generations and we can bring blessing to the next. Can you guys hear what I'm saying today? 
You know, I was reading a book actually this week called um, The Blessing by John Trent and Gary Smalley. And he was telling a story about he was on suicide watch, and he was, he was dealing with this kid. He got a phone call, and he came in, this 21-year-old kid. He had slid his wrist. And he had, rip, he had his, his wrists all wrapped up, and he was, he was trying not to stare, but he was like, what caused you to do this? What's going on in your life? And the boy was at the end of himself. He said, I've always been a straight-A student. And my father was always a straight-A student. He said, you've got to be a straight-A student. If you're not a straight-A student, you know, you're nothing. And he said, I got really sick. I got the flu, and I got really, really, I think it was the flu or something like that. He got really sick, and he missed a bunch of exams, and he got a B. And he said, I'm not accepted by my father. I, I, I failed. And he tried to kill himself. How powerful our words are and how we have to praise our children and speak life into them, not putting expectations on them that God does not put on them. And this is the tragedy of the day is that we've moved away from that, the beauty of being able to bless our children. You know, as I've been studying, this is stuff, you know, even with my own kids, even this week, I've been, I'm going to practice this more and tell my kids, hey, you're blessed. You're a blessing to me. I love you. You can do it. You can achieve whatever you have in your heart. And we need to do this. Say, I got to give the blessing. And here, here's the thing. If you never received that a lot as a child, it, it really feels awkward. Because as awesome as my parents are, and they're awesome, say they're awesome, they weren't big encouragers because they never received it themselves. And so for me, even it, it can be awkward to go and say, you know, you, you can do it. I'm really proud of you. And you feel like, this is awkward. I've never heard this. But as you begin to do it and step out in it, your own freedom will come. Amen. Your own breakthrough will come. Amen? So what happens uh, when, when a person doesn't get a blessing from their parents they will look for validation in other things. We know this, right? Whatever works, it could be athletic programs, good grades, good looks, addictive substances, and get into drugs, all these kind of things. And as we grow up, we begin to build layers of self-protection in our lives. And, and really, if you go down deep in the heart, what we're really looking for is the validation of a father. And I'm saying that because a lot of times in our relationships, one with another, there's, there was missing validation, so we get offended easy. But I'm here to say God validates you. God loves you. Amen? Um, as we grow up, if we, don't, if we don't deal with this, what happens is these false validations or feelings will fade away. After a while, we'll, we'll still be looking to hold on to something. And what we're looking for is we're looking for that blessing. And I'm going to get more into this a little more in the next couple of weeks after Easter. We're going to get into this. But Joshua said something. He said, you know what? He said, God said, I will set before you blessing and cursing. Right? Blessing and cursing. And then he says, you need to choose this day what you're going to do. That's uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. Bring that up, Brian. Okay. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. So we, can, we have the choice. We can choose blessings or we can choose cursing. How many want to choose blessings? Let me see your hands. Okay. How many want blessings? You can put up the other hand. Or curses? Let me see. The, no? Nobody? Okay, good. That's good. That's good. You don't want that. Okay. Um, and so what I want you to do for the next 10 minutes is I want to open the word up. So I want you to really, really focus. Can you focus with me? Okay, let's focus together. James chapter 3, verse 6, talking about blessing and cursing. And the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. Okay? It's a cosmos of iniquity. The, the, the tongue, if we don't bridle it, 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 it's full of iniquity. It, it, look what it will do. The tongue is also set among our members that it defiles, it makes dirty the whole body. Say the whole body. The whole body. Your tongue... 
can defile not just your mind, but your physical body. Look at this. And it set on fire the course of nature. The word nature is actually existence. And it's set on fire by hell. Remember we talked about the Garden of Eden, how suddenly something's speaking to Adam? If we, do, if, we just, if we go and say things to people that will hurt them, that's coming straight from hell. This is what James is saying. And you can actually set someone's existence, their course, their destiny. You can set it on fire, and you can destroy them and pull them out of their calling. If you tell someone, hey, you can do it, I believe in you, you know, you can, you know I'm praying with you, they're going to they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna have confidence, and they're going to begin to walk it out in life. But if you say you're never going to amount to much, you can't make it, you're not going to do it, guess what's going to happen? You're setting on course for destruction, and you're partnering with hell to bring destruction into someone's life. This is how serious this is, guys, because we're the body of Christ, right? And we can literally, the Bible talks about having communion. You cannot drink of the Lord's cup and the cup of demons at the same time. That's what it's talking about. You're saved. You belong to God, right? Can I have a, Camilla, you come here. Camilla's part of the kingdom of, okay, she's the, she's the devil in this, just in this, just in this illustration. So she's got, you've got me captive, okay? And I'm trying to go, okay? Now Jesus comes and he breaks that, breaks that off. So now I'm free from the enemy. Now I've been delivered into the kingdom of God's dear son. Now I'm going to have Peter come and stand here. Peter's my, another person who's been set free from Camilla. I mean the devil. <laughs> we're free, brother. All right. All right. So now we're in relationship, Okay. So now I'm going to get David to come and stand with Camilla. Now, now the devil is talking to um, David. Now, David is working with the devil, and he's a, spirit of, he's a spirit of bitterness. He's a spirit of bitterness and unforgiveness. So here, I'm in relationship. We're hanging out. We're talking about how great it is to be free from this kingdom over here. It's great, man. You know, we can go out guys' night out. It's awesome, right? And so all of a sudden, she's whispered into David's ear. Now, he comes over here, and he's going to come, and I'm trying to have a relationship. Now, Peter says something that offends me. Or could offend. This devil here starts whispering in my ear. And now I'm like, yeah. So you, you come over here. Now you're between us. You can face me now. And I'm going to have fellowship with you. I don't agree. And these are all thoughts. Yeah, I think, I think he meant to hurt me. Yeah. When he said that, you're right. He did mean that. He was trying to get under my skin. And yeah, for sure. And now I'm in fellowship with demons. Does that make sense? Because yes. I'm entertaining thoughts that are coming. And, and so the Bible says, no, we cannot entertain these thoughts. We have to push them out to protect the intimacy <laughs> that God wants us to have one with another. Does this make sense? Yes. And so it doesn't matter, if you're, it doesn't matter how saved you are. The, the enemy can still speak to you. And that's why Paul says you need to take every thought captive. You've got to pull down thoughts, imagine anything that's contrary. He says, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are pure, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are of good report, meditate and think on these things. If bad stuff is coming into your mind about people, and the more you listen to it, what happens is you begin to have quantania with demonic spirits that are talking to you. I'm not saying you have a demon. I'm not saying that there's a demon living in you, because we're not going there today. But you're in fellowship with thoughts that are coming from another kingdom. And that's why the Bible says that the devil comes and it's the wiles, the trickeries of the devil. He gets us here between the ears. Amen, you can sit down. Thank you. Does that help? Okay. Now look what, look what happens here. You know, your nature can be totally, your destiny can be set by the words you speak. You know, I heard a story about a young boy who came home from school and he had a letter for his, his mother. He said, the teacher told me to give you this. She read it, she began to weep. And he said, Mama, Mama, what does it say? And she looked at it and she said, it says you are 
your son is so brilliant, he's a genius, we're not equipped to teach him at school, you're gonna have to homeschool him. He said, really, mom? Yeah, that's what it says. So she folded it up, put it away, and she homeschooled him. This guy, uh, his, his name was Thomas Edison, famous, genius, famous inventor. Well, later in life, okay, his mother had passed away, and he was going through her belongings, and he found a letter, and he said, oh, this is a letter given by my teacher, and he opened it. You know what it said? It says, your, your son is mentally deficient, and we don't have the resources to help this child. You're going to have to keep him at home. And he said, with her words, she set my life on the course of victory. Isn't that awesome? Because he was so smart, he wasn't paying attention to class, and the teacher said, he's, he's, he's mental. And if he would have heard those words, he would have went down the wrong course. How many hear what I'm saying today? And so we need to be, we need to be encouraging our kids. Can I do a little bit more? You guys okay? Okay. James chapter 3, verse 9 to 12, okay? Talking about the tongue. Sometimes your tongue praises the Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have not been made in the image of God. Now, this is, he's talking to Christians, okay? And so blessing and cursing are pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or figs? It's, no, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring, is what he's saying. <coughs> Go to the next verse, James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? So I'm going to ask you guys the same question James is asking. Who here has wisdom? Let me see your hand. Okay, if, you, if you're here, you got, you're coming to listen to me, you're wise. Put your hand up. Okay, there you go. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. You're here because you're wise and you're seeking truth from the Holy Spirit. Okay, look what it says. Okay, who is wise among you? Let him or her show out of a good conversation. I'm reading out of the actual King James. Remember the word conversation? Let him show out of good conversations that his works are with meekness of wisdom. Now, wisdom, I want you to say wisdom comes from a source. Now, remember I showed you the analogy of this, this dark kingdom source? Now, look, look, look what it says here. James chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Okay? If you have bitter, if you have bitterness, if you have envy, if you have self-seeking in your hearts, because the enemy speaks to your spirit. Your spirit's saved, but he speaks to your heart, and you think about it, and then you, you ponder on it. Okay, so if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. That's saying, don't come to church and go, hey, everything's great, praise the Lord, hallelujah, God is good. And in your, you're thinking in your mind, I hate that person over there. You're lying against the truth. you got issues that you need to deal with. This is a hard word, I know, but you know what? The hard words are what going to bring the freedom, okay? Can we, is that okay? Because we want freedom. I don't care. I just want to go back to the word and read line upon line, precept upon precept. Okay, now look, look what it says. Bitterness, envy, self-seeking in your hearts. Don't lie against the truth. This wisdom, say this wisdom, does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, demonic. So when you're, when you entertain bitterness in your heart and you ponder on thoughts and if you have unforgiveness in your heart your thought what you're doing is you are having fellowship with demonic entities that's hard preaching i know but it's true and i'm telling you this so that you can just because you have more power you got enough power in your little finger to flick the enemy off so you don't have to be afraid but the bible says we perish for lack of knowledge and if i don't teach you what the word says you're going to continue to entertain demon spirits by, by having fellowship with them, and it brings division between you and the others in the body. Say good preaching, Travis. There you go. Oh, Gary's rubbing off of me now. Okay. Okay. So, um, James chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. The actual word, 
talks about strife, you know. And I literally, we've had it at our dinner table. Maybe you guys are more holier than we are. But we've had it at our dinner table where somebody's in a bad mood and says the wrong thing. And then now, now she's upset. Now I'm upset. And we're having this conversation at a little bit of a high octave, okay? And next thing you know, like uh, a bowl flies across the table or one of my kids is like, whack, you know. And it's like, what happened? Strife opens the door for every evil thing. And if you ask someone who's in prison, and I've been there because I've worked in the prison ministry, and they cry, and they sit, and they say, I don't know what came over. I've never stabbed somebody before. But it was like, you laugh, but it's like, if you, if you entertain and you have fellowship with bitterness long enough and unforgiveness, eventually wrath and anger comes, another spirit comes, and another spirit, and you're entertaining these thoughts, and, and you, all of a sudden, one day, you get so mad, you snap, and boom, and you're like, what did I just do? And this is what happens. This is reality. How many here have a perfect family? Let me see your hands, okay? But in this case, it's like, we'll sit back, my wife and I say, man, we totally just let the enemy come into this, this meal here. And, and we have to be wise and discerning and say, no, 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 no. We're not going to fall for the trickeries of the devil. We're going to understand that this is what spiritual warfare is. It's in, the, it's in the thought. It's the enemy coming to bring division. That's why I've been to prayer meetings where people get together and they're like, they're like, we're doing spiritual warfare in the heavens and they're taking authority over like all the demons in the city and everything, but then they're gossiping afterwards. I'm like, dude, you're totally missing it. Do you hear what, you know, Sister Susie's doing? We need to pray for her. It's like, my goodness, you, you're having fellowship with demons and we just had a prayer meeting. It's like, no wonder you're under attack. I, I, I'm being, I'm sorry. I, it's the truth. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and some evil things are there. No, every evil thing has access to your life if you are self-seeking, if you have confusion, and all these things. The next verse, verse 17, look what it says. But the wisdom that is from above, so we just talked about the wisdom that was from beneath, now we're talking about the wisdom from above, is first pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to yield, it's full of mercy. It's full of good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. What are we listing here? The fruit of the Spirit. So if this is the fruit of the Spirit from above, the fruit of the demonic kingdom is what we just read about. And we need to separate ourselves from that kingdom. Is this making sense to anybody today? Okay? Now, back in James chapter 3, verse 6, and I'm almost done. I know this is a lot today. It says, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles, let's say, the whole body together. The whole body. Okay? Now, so... Remember that because we're going to go to one more verse and I'm going to read a passage and you're going to see something differently for the first time. You ready? Okay. Now I want you to go, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 to 22. This is the Corinthian church that, that, that um, Paul is ministering to. Now this, this is a church that was moving in the gifts of the Spirit because Paul had to come and explain about how to operate in tongues, how to operate. He's explaining the gifts of the Spirit in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So the chapter before, he's dealing with some, some issues in the church. Look what he says. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you guys get together. There, there's something that's happening that's disrupting the, uh, the quantania, that intimate communion that you're supposed to have one with another. Let's look at the next verse. First, I hear that there's divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent, I believe it. I've heard, I know what's going on over there. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you will uh, know who's approved and who's not. In other words, if there's divisions, those are the people that aren't part of your group. Let them go, okay? Go to the next verse. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you, hurry to eat your own meal without sharing it with others. As a result, some people go away hungry while other people get drunk, okay? Now, here's the thing. Could you imagine having guests over 
and you eat before they even get a chance to eat, and they leave hungry. Like, is that some self-seeking going on there, or what? There's problems. Say, there's problems with the quantity here. The fellowship's all messed up. Okay, let's go to First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-seven to twenty-nine. And the reason why I'm sharing this, I want you guys to understand how important fellowship one with another is. Look, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28. But let each man examine himself or herself. You, we got to be examining our heart. See, this is one of the dangers, okay, of the hyper-grace movement. I'm just going to call it out as, because they say you don't have to examine your heart. You don't have to search your heart. You know, it was all taken care of at Calvary. Just live your life and try to, and just live by faith and don't worry about, and, and the problem is if you don't examine your heart to see if, if, you've been, if you've been having a little bit of fellowship with the wrong kingdom, if you don't examine your heart, what happens is the enemy gets a foothold into your life. Now, look what he says. This is so important. Next verse. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Next verse. For this reason. Say, for this reason. And I want you to see this word. Say, many are weak and sick among you. And many sleep. That word sleep is they die premature. And so we wonder, we talk about healing in the body of Christ. You say, Pastor, I don't believe it. I'm going to tell you, I, as a pastor, I'm at the deathbed when they're going. And I, I can tell you stories where churches have been praying and fasting for a month or whatever for the healing. And then they say, the person doesn't get healed. And they say, well, God works in mysterious ways. But I'm at the deathbed and I hear the confessions at the last moment. I've had bitterness in my heart for 20 years against this person. I've had someone at the deathbed. You know, I've been bitter with you. I have unforgiveness in my heart towards you, Pastor. I'm like... Hey, I forgive you, man. Like, God, God's forgiven you right now. But if you would have brought this to the table, if you would have had this teaching 20 years ago, you would have dealt with the issues in your heart. Because the Bible says in James that sin, you know, if you, if you, if you, you know, the Bible says if we're tempted, don't say we're tempted by God, for God himself can't be tempted by evil. But each one is drawn away and enticed by his own desires. And that, that sin will give birth to death. Sickness is the offspring of sickness. Or sin, uh, sickness is the offspring of of sin. And so I've heard these last minute things, okay? And so it's like we have to examine ourselves. We'd be just as good to, you know, we need to talk about faith. But how many know if you have faith to move a mountain, right? But you're in fellowship with demons? It doesn't work. Scripture and verse, Pastor. Mark eleven twenty three. Whoever says that this mountain be removed and doesn't doubt in his heart but believes that those things which he has, he will have them. You just speak the word. Next verse says, but if you have anything against your brother. I actually, I actually exact wording because let's just read. Let's go there because I want to read it. Okay, here we are. Jesus says, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, whoever will say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he has will come to pass. He'll have whatever thing he says. Okay, this is the old King James. Therefore I say, to, I say unto you, uh, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have it. We hear these things quoted all the time. So how many have heard these things quoted? Next verse, okay? And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against anybody that your Father also in heaven will forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. And so right in the middle of talking about faith, it's saying, God is saying, like, this will work for you. You will pray, you will receive, but make sure you're not in fellowship with that other kingdom. Is this okay? Let's go on to, to the next verse, and then we're going to close up. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 31, 32. 
For if we would judge ourselves, that word judge is actually the word, uh, it means to examine, to search out your heart, okay? If we were to judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Now, I'm sure after this sermon, if you went to that church, everybody's like, no, you go first. <laughs> I'm going to go last. I love you, brother. You go ahead. Okay? Um, do, you guys, do you guys see what I'm trying to get at here? We can choose blessing or cursing. And we need to be careful what we're saying behind. You know, I had a pastor um, years ago that I was with. And uh, I didn't agree with some of the decisions he was making. They weren't sinful decisions. They were just, he was doing things a little differently than I thought. And I was part of his leadership team. And for a season, I didn't, um, I would talk to other people behind his back. And not, not bad things. Like, I don't really agree. I think pastor might be missing it here. And I would do it this way. And, and I started doing that. What I was doing was I was creating division in the body. And I, brought, and I opened the door for an attack from the enemy that was so severe against my life of depression. And I couldn't. I went into fasting. I went into prayer. I went to people. And it wasn't until I went to David and repented. And you know what it looked like? Camilla remembers I went to David and I said, do you have a problem with me? He said, no, I don't. And I was like, okay, well, I felt you did. And he said, no, I don't. And we talked about the situation. But I came in that place that I was at, but at least I came. And so, so many times we'll, we'll, we'll say something to one another, we're in agreement, and then we'll pull away and we'll talk a little bit behind the scenes. And we open the door and we come into fellowship with that other kingdom. Does this make sense? And if you have an issue that you're struggling with, it doesn't mean you're going to get sick and die in a few days. That's not what it's talking about. But over time, if you don't deal with bitterness, if you don't deal with rejection, if you don't deal with strife, and you don't deal with your heart, it will open the door for destruction. Amen? Amen. I know it's a tough message, but it's truth. Right? It's the truth. So sometimes healing, sometimes we need faith. We got a couple faith testimonies. I know Bianca, can you share that? That's a few weeks ago. Is she here? Okay, there she is. Because a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I'm going to get a little positive on you for a second. A few weeks ago, I talked about having faith. How many remember I talked about having a spirit of expectation that we can put that demand on God? And I just want you to share what happened and tell your story. It's, it's not a long story. It's just super quick, but it's um, really practical. So uh, two weeks ago when you talked about expectation, I was going to a job site in the county not long after, and um, I was just driving down and had this huge headache, and I was like, oh, man, like I can't even thank God. Like how am I supposed to go do this like site visit with this client? I'm just like, oh. And every time in the past that I've always prayed, for my headache to go away, they, they never go away, right? So this is, like, where I'm coming from. And then thinking, okay, God, it's like, I'm going to do something here because remember what Pastor Travis said about expectations. So I said, all right, God, I'm coming to you. I'm going to pray because I was just thinking this in my head, right, because I hadn't actually spoken out loud yet. So I said, okay, I'm thinking about it. I was like, okay, God, I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to pray that you heal my headache. And I said, and I'm expecting, because <laughs> sometimes Travis said that you can do that. You can put these godly demands on God, right? So I'm expecting by the time I get to where I'm going that my headache is going to be gone. And then so then I prayed out loud, and I prayed, okay, God, you know, like, please get rid of my headache. And um, I'm expecting that, blah, 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 you know. So anyways, I'm driving and driving, and then, and then it starts to, starts to, like, clear up a little bit. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh no, 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 this can't be right, this can't be right. And then doubt starts to come back. Doubt starts to come in, you know, like it normally does. And then all of a sudden, the headache starts to come back. And then 
I'm like, no, I can't doubt. I have to be strong. I have to, like, live out my faith. I'm like, this is what I prayed. I'm expecting. So then I was like, okay, no, no, no. So I'm like, God, this is what you're going to do. I'm expecting it to happen. And then my head was clearing, and then doubt would come in. You know, this, this happened for about 10 minutes, and then it was just lingering there in the back of my head. Finally, I pull into the parking lot where I'm going, and then poof, just like that. It's completely gone. I was like, yes! <laughs> I was like, thank you, God, because I just, I just put that. I was like, and it, you know, I'm expecting, and it's so simple. It's just such a simple thing as a headache, but it could be a headache. It could be a broken arm. could be uh, a broken relationship. You know, any, anything that you have, that spot in your life where you're, where you're just saying, oh, God, okay, this is, this is what's broken in my life right now. I need you to fix it. It's just that little, like, it was just that little connection that I got from Travis. It just made me step out in expectation that this was going to happen, and boom, it happened. So that's God for you. (laughs) So why don't we stand together and to just follow that testimony. One of the things that, talking about expectation, the Bible says if we we can come boldly, right, uh, before the throne of grace and obtain mercy, in time of need. So with expectation right now, I want you guys just to take a moment this week, take time to examine your heart and just say, you know, and, and to examine your speech. Because, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, what the mouth speaks. So if you're critical, if you're saying things that you shouldn't be saying, you can examine the heart and then you can bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I'm sorry for, for having fellowship with these thought patterns. And then you just say, I just refuse, I renounce them, and I cast them down in Jesus' name, and you watch. God will begin to shift your world, because what's happening is you're, 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 you're getting discernment. You're growing in discernment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Did you want to say something before I pray? I just, just wanted to stress up, in this walk of learning to overcome and become holy, it's so important that we have an understanding of God's mercy, his heart of mercy, too, because truth and mercy kiss, too. And I was just, I just, you know, some of these things, because it is a hard message. It's like, ouch. <laughs> you know, and sometimes you can almost feel like hopeless. Like, how, uh, how am I ever going to do this? But, you know, God is here to help us with his spirit. And we have, to have, we have to have an understanding of his mercy for us and for each other. And, like, I have to, even with me, one of the struggles for me has been self-accusation. God has showed me. Little did I know. And, you know, it's so easy to come in that ditch, too. There's that fine line, that highway of wholeness, you know, with the ditches on both sides. It's so easy to go from conviction to condemnation. And so you have to be very careful. Like, we have to be careful with our own hearts, with other people's hearts, you know, that we don't uh, go to an extreme, go to the... So we get something, you know, like, because God will knock, you know, his gentle... Conviction, and he'll he'll show us something. And and one of the Bible school teachers that I had in the past, really, I really appreciate. He said the sign of maturity, spiritual maturity, is how fast you respond when God speaks. I thought that's cool. So if we can, we will make it so much easier for ourselves when it's like you get that nudge. And let's face it, we all have that. You know, we all are. We have a sinful nature, so there's going to be rebellion that tries to come up, and it's like, "Mm." and you know what? We face it. Like we all. But we can learn to respond faster. Then we'll be. That's I think how we can mature faster too. How we can learn to say, "Okay, God, I'm I'm wrong. I'm sorry." But then the enemy will also come along, and just like we saw in that little drama, right? But you know that uh, it'll become condemnation. But we have to be careful we don't go into that. Absolutely. And when it comes to temptation, it's it's kind of like we had this raccoon. We actually named him Chunky. Kids named him because we would put our garbage out, and this this thing was this fat and he would go around the neighborhood and I think he lived under our porch for a while and he would always eat our garbage 
and you know we put it in a, in a in a container with a lid, and somehow we knock it over and get the lid off. And, you, you, and it wasn't until we said we're not putting the garbage out anymore at night, and over a period of time, Chunky disappeared. Chunky doesn't come back. The odd time he comes around, but there's nothing there. And I say that to say this: uh, you think I I deal with these thoughts of fear all the time. I deal with these this bitterness all the time. As you begin to stop feeding it, it won't come around. And suddenly what was a struggle now is over. It's not a struggle anymore. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace, God. I thank you for every person in this place, Lord, that this week, Lord, we are pilgrims in progress. We are overcomers, God. And, Lord, that you opened our heart to see your word in a new light for some of us, God, that we're going to stand against thoughts that are contrary to your word, Father. Help us, Lord, to examine our hearts and deal with our hearts this week. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.